All you have to do is pick up the paper, watch the news, and you know that the social construct of our, of our, of our society has a certain mindset when it comes to family, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to raising children. And that has a tendency to push its way into our Christian lives. And pretty soon we're listening to secular counsel. We're listening to secular reasoning on how to improve our marriage or how to discipline our children or how to do this or how to do that when it comes to our family. And Paul is saying, don't do that. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. God's design for marriage and family. Today we begin a series looking at God's design, and as we do, we start at the beginning, laying a foundation. We'll hit Genesis chapter 2 next week, but for now, let's take a look at why we need to start there. Here's Pastor Steve. When it comes to marriage, you know, it's always something that as a pastor you have to deal with, not just your own personal marriage, but sometimes you're called to deal with other people's marriages in counseling. And um, I, I was reminded of this little story I read years ago. A pastor and his wife knew they made a big mistake by agreeing to counsel Mrs. Smith. Uh, she opened the first session of marital counseling by saying this, I want to thank you for seeing me, especially since my husband said he'd kill anybody that I talked to about our problems. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's how private, how personal a marriage can be. Um, in 2005, there was a Guinness World Book record holder, Percy and Florence Errol Smith. They held two records, the longest marriage of a living couple. Back then it was 80 years we had a couple in our church, Swanson almost made that, I think, and having the longest or the largest married couple's aggregate age, 205 years old, and they're still married. Um, well, both Mr. and Mrs. Aerosmith, obviously had died since then, but they left good advice if you're interested in having a lasting marriage. And here's what Florence said, the wife, she said, you must never go to sleep bad friends. If you've had a quarrel, you make it up. Never be afraid to say sorry. Good advice. Well, Percy, the husband, had a little more humorous side and look at things, and he had a secret, and he said the secret to his long marriage was just two words. Yes, dear. <laughs> and that's kind of true. <laughs> Um, when you come to a series like this on marriage and family, there's going to be temptation for some of you maybe because you're single or whatever to feel like you're left out. Well, be patient. When we get back in Corinthians, we're going to deal with singleness and all that. So your time is coming. Um, but this study can still benefit you, as I said, because it can help you prepare uh, for that day when God brings along that mate for you to marry. And it helps you in the research, too, of finding the right spouse as well. So today we want to look at this subject matter of uh, God's design for family and uh, marriage. I don't believe there's anything more fundamental 
more foundational um, than the truth that we're considering these next couple weeks, dealing with family, dealing with marriage, because it lies really at the heart of our civilization. It lies at the heart of our social uh, construct. Uh, The first institute that God created was the institution of marriage. We see that in the book of Genesis. It's also key to our own spiritual lives as well as uh, other areas, but it's, it's very key to our spiritual lives. It's foundational to the church. As I said, our church will only be as healthy as I believe the marriages and the families that make up our church will be. Um, years ago, we had a uh, potter uh, come to our church, and he made this magnificent piece of pottery in front of our eyes out of a lump of clay. And I remember watching him as he fashioned and he pushed and he pulled that clay, and he was kind of disgusting when it was all over. He was just covered with mud, covered with clay. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, that, that really takes a lot of work. And I rem- I'm reminded of, of Romans chapter 12. When we went through Romans, uh, turn over there with me in Romans 12 and just look at verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. And this is kind of where I want to begin this morning. It says, you, it says there, Romans 1, Therefore, to, to you, therefore, brother, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, and then he says, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says this, Paul writes in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, what's interesting here in this in this verse, in verse 2, do not be conformed to this wor- world. The word world here is not the common New Testament word for world. Um, that's cosmos. That's not what it is here. Here it literally means age. Um, you, you could paraphrase it this way. There is with every age, with every period of time, with every culture a certain set of values, uh, a mindset, a worldview, you might call it, a collection of, of thoughts that make up the mindset of that age. And that's what Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter 12. He's saying, don't be conformed to the mindset of this world. And I want us to keep that in mind when it comes to marriage, when it comes to family. He's saying, don't be conformed to the mindset of the age in which you find yourself living. Now, all you have to do is pick up the paper, watch the news, and you know that the social construct of our, of our, of our society has a certain mindset when it comes to family, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to raising children. And that has a tendency to push its way into our Christian lives. And pretty soon we're listening to secular counsel. We're listening to secular reasoning on how to improve our marriage or how to discipline our children or how to do this or how to do that when it comes to our family. And Paul is saying, don't do that. 
He says, don't be conformed. That word literally means to push into a mold. It's like that potter when he was up here who's shoving that, that, that clay into his, what he wanted it to be. He fashioned it. He's saying, don't be pushed into the world's mold concerning the thinking of how you should live. Don't be pushed into the mold of the mindset of this age. It's, a, it's really a sober warning that Paul has given here for all believers. And I think, unfortunately, we live in a day and age when Christians have allowed, unfortunately, their thinking to be shaped and to be fashioned and to be molded by the constant, in some cases, gentle pressure that you may not even notice is going on around you. It conforms us to the age in which we live. In other times, it's a violent pressure. It may not be as gentle to conform us to the culture. And I think we, don't, we, we see this pressure, we see this conformity going on in a lot of areas, but especially in the area of marriage and family. Because we feel that we have to reshape our views to fit, to be politically correct. But Paul says here, absolutely resist that with everything you have within you. We have to be renewed in our thinking when it comes to these things. By the eternal, timeless word of God, that's where we need to look for counsel. And so as we begin this series on marriage and family let me just warn you, as we come to passages in the Word of God, there are going to be things that Paul says, there are going to be things even that Moses says, that are radical in comparison to what our society thinks. Now, it's not my words, so don't attack me. <laughs> We're going to God's Word. We're going to see what Paul says. We're going to see what God says. And what I do is I really urge you to step back and over the next coming weeks as we spend time together on this subject matter, make a, what I would call a genuine effort to set aside your own personal agenda, your own personal views of marriage and family, and to listen carefully and to check everything I say against Scripture. And wherever you discover that your own views are contrary to that of Scripture, I pray that you will find yourself being gently shaped, gently molded by the Holy Spirit to conform to God's will and God's purpose for marriage and family. Because it's God who designed marriage. It's God who came up with it. Um, so we're looking forward to this time together to change our lives, to change our thinking, even to change our marriages, to change your family. But be open to the clear teaching of the word of God. I mean, who's better to teach us about marriage? Who's better qualified? Not me. It's God. It's God. God designed marriage, beloved. Marriage was the first human relationship that he established. God matched the first couple, if you think about it, ever to get married. There's some people that believe even the, the second person of the Trinity Christ, the son, performed the first wedding. <laughs> 
Because you get to Genesis 2.25 and Adam and Eve are called man and wife. That means somewhere on the sixth day of creation, maybe Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate form performed that first wedding ceremony and united those two as one. See, God continues to have a great concern, a great deal to say about marriage. Even in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it's kind of a shocking statement. You can turn over there if you want, 1 Peter 3, 7. It, it, it basically tells us as husbands and wives, it's speaking directly to husbands, but it can be applicable even to wives, that if we don't live up to what God requires of us in marriage, that it's literally going to affect our spiritual relationship to Christ himself. That's pretty heavy duty. As a matter of fact, it says this, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your, look at what it says, your prayers may not be hindered. What Peter's saying here is, if you aren't listening to your spouse, then you know what? God's not listening to you. That's really what he's saying. That's the bottom line. I mean, how do you even wrap your mind around that? God is serious. He's concerned about marriage. Uh, Even over in Matthew chapter 19, turn over there with me, the Lord himself pointed this out to us. Remember when we went through the book of Matthew years ago, we covered this, but in Matthew chapter 19, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus in verse 3 there, and he's asking him about divorce. But notice his response in verse 5. Jesus said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What is Christ doing here? Christ is affirming what is recorded all the way back in Genesis about the foundational institution of marriage. And then he adds in verse 6, look at what he says, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man separate. Now we hear those words at a wedding ceremony and we think, okay, yeah, just get through it. You know, I want to kiss the bride. (laughs) But those are very serious words. We kind of pass over them glibly, but, but really they're profound. And these are the words of Christ about the institution of marriage. Now I know some of you have been touched by divorce and, and maybe your first marriage failed. That's, that's part of living. And you need to ask God for the grace to, to make everything you can out of your, your present marriage. This isn't a judgmental thing, but it's really depicting the importance of marriage itself, that this is nothing to be trifled with. This isn't something that, it's not a big deal. God takes marriage very seriously. Now, here he's talking to unbelieving people who asked him about marriage. And he says, let no man separate. Sometimes we classify marriages, well, Christian and and non-Christian marriages, So if they're non-Christians, it doesn't really matter if they get divorced. Who cares? 
but a Christian, well, they shouldn't get divorced. No, God says across the board, marriage is something that he instituted and that it should be important to all who enter into it. God joins people together in marriage. According to Christ, it's only in heaven that there'll be no marriage. Until then, marriage is and will continue to be part of life, even if the social engineers engineers of our current um, society desire else, you know, to desire something else. It's not going to happen. In, in fact, when you turn to Matthew 24, you don't have to turn there, but Christ says at the time of his second coming, when he returns, he says that they will be what? Marrying and giving in marriage. So marriage isn't going anywhere. As much as people want to downplay it and, and minimize it, and it's going to continue. So how can we gain God's perspective about marriage. Well, obviously, we come to the Word of God. Trust me, I'm not standing here as some marriage guru that has it all figured out. My wife and I struggle in our marriage just like everybody else struggles in their marriage because we're two sinners saved by God's grace, called to live together in perfect harmony. And it's only when the Spirit of God rules and reigns in our hearts that that happens. But I'll tell you one thing, the two of us are committed to our marriage. Absolutely committed. So if you want to understand marriage, there's no better place to look than the first marriage. Go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And look with me. We're going to be reading verses uh, 18 to 25. Because within these eight verses are the Scripture's most fundamental convictions about the nature and purpose of marriage. Moses, what he does is he lays out here the biblical foundations of marriage. Because what's recorded here are not just the circumstances of the first marriage, but it lays down the biblical convictions about every marriage, including your marriage, including my marriage, including your future marriage, if you're single here today. And so let's read... Follow along as I read for us. Verse 18, Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. For the Lord had caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place, and the Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. And brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. See, here are the verses that reveal to us the most fundamental biblical convictions 
in the scriptures about marriage. Convictions, I pray that each one of us hold dear and that each one of us should follow in our own relationships, in our own marriages. Well, what are these fundamental convictions? Well, we're going to look at a couple today maybe and finish them up next week. But the first is simply this, that marriage has a divine purpose. Marriage has a divine purpose. When God designed marriage, when he performed the first wedding, God had several goals or specific purposes in mind. Now, if you're married now or if you'll ever be married, you ever hope to be married in the future, God has some exact purposes in mind for your marriage. The same purposes he had in mind for the first marriage. Um, See, this is where a lot of couples stray from God's original purpose or original design. They go astray right here at the beginning because they come into a, a wedding, they come into a marriage with their own goals, with their own purposes. And they completely ignore what God has purposed. <laughs> That's not a, a good way to start off a marriage. And so they either end up with a miserable marriage, wishing they were out of the miserable marriage, or they end up crashing and burning and ending up on some divorce statistic list somewhere. And why? Because they've ignored God's purpose for marriage, his purposes for marriage. So what are the primary purposes for marriage? Well, you can go through scriptures and you can find a whole lot of them. You really can, but we're not, we don't have time nor the wherewithal to do that, so we're going to just focus on a couple. The first purpose here is that God has a purpose. <laughs> the first purpose of marriage is relationship. Relationship. Look at verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I remember reading that when I was single, when I was alone, and thinking, well, you know, I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. I'm I'm never going to get married. I just, you know, it's ministry, all ministry, you know, very. And then I met my wife. (laughs) And God humbled me real quick. The Trinity had deliberated about creating man. All the way back in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, then God said. Well, who's God talking to here? There's nobody there yet. They're talking to each other. The Trinity's talking to each other. He's talking to the other members of the Trinity. Let us, it says, make man in our image according to our likeness. So God had deliberated And now here, God deliberates again. This doesn't mean here that in verse 18, that this idea is just coming to God. Hey, I think I'll do this now. Let's see, I created all this. Well, now I'll create. No. God has a divine purpose. And remember, God transcends time. Okay? So there's not a yesterday and a tomorrow with God. It's hard for us to grasp that because we're limited to time, but God is not. So he didn't create man, and they said, oops, messed up. i got to create all these animals. Well, they didn't work. Well, what do I do now? I know what I'll do. I'll create woman. (laughs) No, that's not how it was. It was his plan. God already knew he would create woman. But it says he lets 
He lets us understand what his plan is, what he was thinking about, according to Moses, so that we would understand the mind and the purpose of God. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. And while you're at our website, don't forget to download our mobile app. New and improved and ready to use, whether you're securely donating online or taking advantage of the podcasts on your mobile phone, simply go to iTunes or Google Play and look for Grace Bible Church Redwood City-CA. Or stop by our website, gracefultruth.org, and follow the prompts. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth is the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Redwood City.